0: Hello and welcome back to your weekly Witch Fix. Today I'm going to be looking at a really sweet little book which is probably one of my favourite spell books and it's The Crone's Book of Magical Words by Valerie Worth. A bit of background on Valerie Worth. She was a poet and she has written this book and another one which I own which is called The Crone's Book of Wisdom. This first one was written in 1971, and it doesn't feel dated at all, which I find quite amazing. And it kind of goes into what her whole thing is about in the preface of the book itself, which is that magic is this kind of timeless pursuit, and that even if these spells were written in the 70s or in the 1700s, it wouldn't matter because it's tied into something that is this kind of ongoing practice and by that I don't mean that there's some sort of secret underground goddess cult that has been going for centuries despite the best efforts of Christianity. I mean that this is kind of an impulse that has been there throughout humanity, a kind of impulse towards mysticism and the irrational side of magic. Now I know full well that every book and every second book that you can pick up on Wicca or Witchcraft says that you can write your own spells And you don't need to buy a spell book. But a lot of those books also then have a compendium of spells at the back, and I feel like that's maybe something the publishers insist on. But I like some spell books quite a lot. I don't own many of them, but this is one of, I think, three that I have on my shelf at the moment. And I like them not because. I only do spells written in books because I write most of my own but because one it's nice to have a couple of pages turned down which have a really nice turn of phrase on them that you can draw power from in the moment and also because it's nice to read poetry and I don't read a lot of poetry myself like in terms of poetry books but I view reading spell books good spell books as being like reading poetry and this is definitely up there and I think that owes everything to Valerie Worth's actual writing history as a poet because what she's put down is not very long and some of the spells I don't even know what you would use them for because they just seem like they have no practical application whatsoever but that's what makes them so beautiful and I wanted to share them with you. Before I do some extracts from the actual spells I'm going to read you a little bit from the preface which I think kind of encapsulates what I've just been saying and what I kind of get from this book in terms of the impulse to create magic. It can only seem that we do insist on the unreasonable in the face of all reason. We do pursue, perhaps with laughter or with grimaces, but still pursue impulses towards the stars of the astrologers, the candle-burnings of the elder priests, the ancient magicians' cryptic circles, and in such ways the relationship between our own involuntary visions and that which is beyond mere routine as a solution to chaos. This book arises from certain premises that words themselves are a means to emotional control over exterior phenomena that magic today is the same weapon that it ever was even though we lay hands on it in a new spirit even though we are uncertain of its uses and wield it unwittingly or even unwillingly that all rituals ancient and new spring from the same vision of a possible order to life an order that heals and reconciles effectively by its very roots in mental process the rituals or spells or poems and these names can all stand for the same thing that are set down here, deal with the aspects of existence at once too simple and too complex for any other approach. There's also a, a foreword in the book, and that is by George Barleek, and I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's spelled B-A-H-L-K-E, so I don't know how i meant to say that. But um, it does say that this book was written to be read as poetry, and that it would have upset the author to think that anything inside it would be used to hurt someone. And there are what some would consider non-Wiccan appropriate spells in this, and that they do set out in a very kind of folkloric way to um, decimate another's garden or to turn slander back on a slanderer. Now, I don't know that that kind of jives with what is said in the preface, because I mean Valerie describes magic itself as a weapon so I guess it's up to you whether you take the forward into consideration before you attempt any of the spells and uh, the book is actually divided up into four categories the spirit the world the conjurer and the cosmos and those kind of loosely relate to the spells contained within each there are spells about animals there are spells about the home Um, There are spells to do with summoning spirits, and there are ones to do with making peace with the universe. And I'm going to read you broadly one from each category, just because I couldn't narrow down my favourites any more than this. So the first is A Sage Tea for the Mind. The grey-leaved sage stands fresh and fine when even trees fall prey to time pluck its growth, brew an infusion against all darkness and confusion, drink its strength with these words, sage make green the winter rain, charm the demon from my brain. I really like these because they're so evocative of just the sort of village wise woman sitting at her table and you know, making this little cup of tea from leaves that she's harvested. That for me is very, very close to the magic that I practice, and I find that really lovely to just read and kind of sink into the different phrases. This one is from the world section and it is a potion for youth preserved. These four, one spoonful each, combine juice of apples freshly pressed, cider aged past seven days, apple vinegar, tartan brown. Apple brandy, clear and strong. Add to these an ounce of honey, one scant drop of wintergreen. Stir them, warm them, mix them well, and take the tonic every dawn, saying this to work the spell. If I must pay the apple's price, I shall be young as well as wise, filling my cup with honeyed days and hours as green as Eden's grass. This one is from the Conjurer section. Uh, I have quite an amusing story actually about another spell that's in this which is in summoning a ghost and I actually performed this at a friend's house they're very into um, spirits um, going on ghost hunts and all the rest of it and uh, we sort of set up a circle and we were doing this spell just to make contact because she felt that her home was haunted in some way and they just moved in so I said we give this a go. And on the laptop, we put on my chanting CD from the Museum of Witchcraft in Boscastle. And it was playing along, and we were sort of making contact and sort of waiting for a sign that something had joined us. And then the CD started crackling in and out, and the sound started going down and then cutting out, and it was just crackly and then coming back for a bit and then crackling again. And this was a brand new CD that I'd literally just taken out of the box. So I knew it wasn't broken in any way. And um, that later that evening, I got a Facebook message saying that um, due to the disturbances that had followed our attempt to contact what was in the house, uh, we weren't meant to do that around there anymore because it was upsetting our boyfriend. So um, that's not the one I'm going to read you now because I'm not going to do that in a room I'm about to go to sleep in but this is To Free A House From Haunting. The presence that stands upon the stairs, the unseen hands that move the chairs, the lights that play across the wall, the stains that stay, the plates that fall, the mist, the chill, the wandering sense, this gentle spell must speed them hence. At midnight set a table neat, with cup and plate and wine and meat, invite the ghost to sit and feast, as any host should urge a guest, presently clear the meal away, then open the door and softly say, Quick or dead, thou art fed, cease to grieve and take thy leave. Bid him depart, but should he remain, be calm, take heart and feast him again. This last one is from the conjurer section and it is one of the ones that I cannot possibly determine a use for. And I've looked at it many times because it just reminds me of summer and I just like to read it on cold, wet, miserable days like what we're having at the moment. So this is To Become the Likeness of a Bee. (laughs) Pound in a mortar a pint of purple clover flower. Pour in honey from half a comb. Mix to an ointment, spread on the skin. And repeat this charm. Golden pollen, golden bee, let me shrink as small as thee. Wings clear as water will sprout on your back. A yellow velvet will fur you over and all the world grow high above your head. If you can think of a practical application for that spell, do let me know because I am still confused by it. If you've enjoyed those extracts from this book, I do encourage you to pick it up. It's not very expensive. You do get copies turning up online in the usual two places that I recommend, Amazon or eBay, for a couple of pounds. Um, It's a really beautiful book just to kind of dip into and out of. I usually take it with me when I'm going to a circle with someone who I practice with so that when we're sort of sitting around going over our tables of correspondences and trying to put our spells together I can just kind of open it and read a page or two just to put myself in the mood and I find that it, it really works and it's just like switching the witchy switch in your brain and getting into the right gear for magic. This has been your weekly episode of Witch Fix and remember you can get in contact on twitter which is a and by email, which is witchfixpodcast at gmail.com. I do really want to hear from you. Let me know if you have anything that you'd like me to review, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!